Welcome to episode 18 of Love with Elise Peck. And this one is juicy. I could not be more excited for the content, for the discussion, for the conversation you're about to experience here. It is so valuable for anyone seeking more love in their life, whether you're in relationship, out of relationship, but especially if you've had a long and winding road to love, especially if you've been in relationships that have made you question your worth. Um, oh, this is a powerful story. So I'm your host, Elise Peck. I'm a best-selling author on the topic of love. I uh, am a one-on-one personal love and life coach. And for thousands of hours, one-on-one, I have helped people get the love that they want. And that's why I'm so freaking excited about this episode because so much of what Michelle shares in this episode as embodied knowledge, as the truths that got her incredible love um, that that she didn't come across until she was 40, until she'd gone down many other paths that didn't lead to love. Uh, So many of the truths that she shared that led to love are exactly... what I have found to work with my coaching clients are exactly, you know, with my coaching clients. I mean, at some point she talks about how you really want to do the work to get to that feeling of surrender, of being yourself, of, of what I call feminine energy, right? And that, like, I could not agree with her more because that is the goal I always have in my mind when I'm working with someone. I'm always looking at them and I know, I know the energy that gets love and I'm always assessing, like an energy architect, where they are in relation to that feeling that she explains that she got to. So to watch someone with the embodied knowledge give words to that is so cool. And listening to her story is just going to be so healing and it's going to inundate your nervous system with with truths that will get them the love that they want with it's it's if this plants a seed in you and any of that leads to you embodying this knowledge and this wisdom oh my gosh your life is going to be like a million times better for it so i'm thrilled that michelle thompson came on to this podcast i'm thrilled that that all of her wisdom was captured and recorded and i'm thrilled that it's now here in this episode 18 of love with elise peck what a beautiful human, what a beautiful heart, and what an incredible ability to give words to to the process and the experience of of both self love, of getting an alignment, of surrender, um, and of of choosing something that's actually good for you. Right? Uh, so good. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Love with Elise Peck. I'm your host, Elise Peck. And today I'm really excited to have Michelle Thompson on the podcast. Michelle is a registered nurse. She's a wife, she's a daughter, stepmom, dog mama, and lover of all things lemon. She's also a self-professed late bloomer. That's in all aspects of her life, which includes finding the man of her dreams at 40. So Michelle believes that good things come to those who wait and to those who do the hard work, which often requires revealing the parts of ourselves we've hidden away with compassion and grace. And I just think that is that is some really beautiful insights and words into the person that Michelle is right there. So I'm very excited to welcome onto the podcast, Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Gosh, I'm excited to have you here. Um, I really, especially lately, uh, I'm really kind of 
getting a lot of messages from life, but also really feeling a lot of uh, uh, like a, an attraction towards the concept of the long game, <laughs> the long game in life and patience and, you know, good things coming to those who wait. So I think it's beautiful timing that we've got a story today where it, it seems like, you know, um, yeah, this late bloomer, but there was a build up to that. So just just quickly, um, you met the man of your dreams at 40. And how long have you been together now? Well, we've been together since. So I just turned 51 in August. So 11 years now. Wow. Wow. Well, you're doing yeah, something we've been married for five and but been together 11. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. You seem so youthful. <laughs> so <laughs> well, well, thank you. <laughs> Just in everything, like just body, mind, and spirit. Yeah. So yeah. something is something is working well for you. Um, all right. So I would love to hear about your mindset right before you met the man of your dreams. So you're you're coming up to forty, or you're forty, and you haven't had the found the man that you know the person of your dreams, the love of your life at this point. Where's your mindset at right beforehand? I, it was all over the place, to be totally honest with you. I had, you know, in high school, and because I'm a nurse, I had always been, um, I think, people had always thought that I would be the first one to get married, and I would be the first one to have babies. And I, I, I think most of my friends would tell you that I have a very maternal instinct, and uh, that I think they just made the assumption that I would just have tons and tons of babies. So at 40, to see a lot of my close friends you know, having those life transitions happening and that wasn't happening for me was difficult because I had felt that I had been really successful in other areas of my life, but relationships, I just, for some reason, it was just really difficult for me. And uh, I think I just realized that I, whatever I was doing wasn't working and I needed to figure out why and to do something a little bit differently. And so just before I met my husband, because we met online, we met online dating, and um, I had been through a bit of a, a stretch where I was just sort of just randomly dating a lot of men to try to see, like, it was almost like throwing stuff at the wall and just to, and that sounds so awful in hindsight, because I met a lot of really wonderful people and we remained friends for quite a long time after uh, so it it wasn't like a physical thing. It was really just trying to figure out like who who do I connect with? Who do I resonate with? I had really felt like I had lost a part of myself. Um, and that's also to say that to, to be really open and transparent that I had had a really difficult relationship just before that, that I had been in. Uh, and it was quite toxic. And, uh, you know, I would say a little verb like verbally abusive in some respects. So I think that when you go through that after a while, you, you do tend to lose yourself in that and, and you teach people how they can treat you. And I wasn't sure what I was worthy of. So I was really confused and I had joked around with my girlfriends and said, that's it. If I don't meet someone in the next three or four months, I'm going offline and I'm just going to be happy to be alone. I have a great life, a great career. I don't feel lonely sometimes you know you're alone but I never felt lonely in that I could always go out I had options to do things and I thought I'm just going to live my life and be happy I don't need a partner to define my happiness but I think I was really just kind of kidding myself because I really do value the closeness of a marriage and a, or just a close relationship with someone and I really was truly longing for that but trying to secretly convince myself that I didn't need it mm. 
Mm. Yeah. Oh, this is there's so much to unpack here. It's so brilliant. Um, oh, it's like which thought do I choose first? Because that 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 flung so many dark. That there is something that I really need to get off my heart today to say, which is that like coming into this podcast um, before today, I hadn't. Uh, I, I don't know if this happens to you or other people, but. Um, I often just get ideas and I think, oh, I really got to put that on social media. I really got to tell a coaching client. It's like, it's like someone wants to express that through me. And today I felt like a really important message was um, if you're ever questioning who you are as a person, a really cool technique is to get way more data points. So if you've only hung out with the, the, the five people in your whole life and therefore you now think oh, I'm the loud one, <laughs> um, expand your horizons, freshen it up, meet a hundred people, meet uh, because the more you expose yourself, the more data points you get. So I, it's actually bizarre timing and also brilliant that you're talking about how you actually went out there like as a scientist to know thyself of like, I'm going to test, I'm going to test with lots of different people and, and get the feedback because it, it's really through relating to others that we understand who we are. Like we're not we're not, we came here with lots of other humans. Um, and it's never was just about us knowing ourselves. It's about us knowing ourselves in relation to others because you can kid yourself that you're enlightened or whatever. But then you start trying to relate to another and like, oh, your stuff comes up. And I think it's actually super powerful that you went out almost like to me, it comes across as a, a scientist mindset of, wow, something is not working. Let me test a theory. Like, let me. Let me, because that's what scientists do. They just do experiment after experiment. And it's like, you became your experiment. It's like, I'm going to run like this, you know, unofficial love experiment of how do I land with different people and how do different people land with me? And yeah. so I think that's a really powerful thing. And it's a really different energy to, well, I'm going to go out and desperately trying to find one person that accepts me. It's like, no, I'm going to go and relate with a bunch of people to discover myself. Like it was a internally driven it was like a self-love exercise um yes yeah, so i just want to like say i think that that was a brilliant move um, well thank you i i mean i don't know that i thought about it at that time i just knew that what i was doing wasn't working and i needed to try something different and i also needed to put myself in front of people that i typically wouldn't necessarily like look at in terms of not that I didn't necessarily find them attractive, but when you pair a picture online with the profile, I would say, you know, this isn't someone that I would typically be drawn to. And to again, I mean, I really believe in being completely transparent. If we're going to tell these stories, there's no point not telling all of the story. Uh, is that I had typically chosen men that were had issues with commitment. And I knew that going in. And I always thought that I would be the girl in the Rolodex that would somehow fix them, that if I was able to nurture them enough, that's that nursing side of me, that if I could nurture them enough that, you know, I would be the one to change them. And I, and I know that I'm not the only person who's ever been in that place before, but it makes me really sad when I look back at, you know, that young woman to think that that's all I thought I was worthy of. And so, you know, it's part of the journey. So I'm grateful because I would have not ended up here had I not been there, but when you're in the thick of that, it doesn't feel good. So, um, you know, I think I was just in a place of, of, of awareness that what I was doing just wasn't working and I needed to try something different, but I like the idea of the experiment because I guess that's really what it was. Mm, yeah. It's like your unconscious mind just like drew up this 
you know, um, it's like that saying, I've never seen a life transformation that didn't begin, begin with the person, I think it's Elizabeth Gilbert, the person in question finally getting tired of their own BS. And it's like you had that moment of, all right, uh, it's time for me to explore what's going on with me. And I think that is so profound. That's generally the start of anyone really getting a new result. Um, but, you know, it, there's a few things that are coming up here. Number one is there's this hypnotherapist to the stars called Marissa Peer. And she talks about how to get any, if what you're doing isn't working, um, you need to make the unfamiliar familiar. So if you've always gone for emotionally unavailable guys, um, it is time to try to start dating something different and to give that a chance because uh, what you're drawn to and attracted is obviously not working. And I think your story is so relatable and so important. And I think that uh, the, the visual of the Rolodex was powerful. I was the girl on the Rolodex because that's the reality with, with these people is you think, oh, it's just my connection with them and there's something special and my love will heal them. Um, but not everyone is built for long-term relationship. Just not everyone is. And it's not their truth. And they they just love the infatuation phase and they're just going to jump infatuation, infatuation, infatuation. They're, they're, they're never going to be available for the power struggle. They're never going to be available for the real slow love. They're just looking for the high and the neurotransmitters of the honeymoon phase. So each person thinks they're the new special person that's going to get a whole different human out of this person. Um, but I love the visual of, yeah, but you're just one on a Rolodex. You're just a number. Uh, and it's not about you. It's about the way that this person's mind is set up and about that they were never compatible for a long-term relationship. And we can love them. Um, while also realizing that if we have a vision for a long-term relationship, we've got to start making the unfamiliar familiar and going for the people that know straight up that they are available and ready for a long-term relationship. And I love that you're saying this because I, I work with people that say, I just feel like I want to be the person that finally makes them feel loved. I want to be the person that makes them feel like they are good enough. It's this fixer, this fixing. Um, and, and, and I mean, it's beautiful. <laughs> Uh, it is, but we can love people without abandoning what we want. So we can say, I love you and I can't be in a relationship with you. I love you and uh, I have to love me, me too. Um, so I think, and it's so important what you said about how the longer we stay in those entanglements, uh, the more our self-worth goes down because we start, it's like that thing at the start, you need multiple data points but the person you're with romantically becomes like your number one data point. They're almost worth a hundred data points. And if your biggest data point is always saying to you, you just can't quite satisfy me. You can't quite be enough for me. You can't quite. And every day your nervous system is getting hit with, I have to earn love. I have to prove myself. I have to be something different. If only I was this, 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 maybe I would get the version out of them that would love me. It really tears you down. So I think, you must be such a strong person to have had your nervous system inundated with that and then to have risen up and actually found real love after that journey. Oh, so I'm loving this. I'm loving this Thank story. You. Yeah, I think that, you know, I appreciate that. I, I think the two things that came up for me really strongly when I was listening to you talk was that when you get so far down the rabbit hole of being with people that you're nurturing more than you're getting in return, uh, is really, I think, like, I just got to the point where I thought I'm tired of keeping other people alive. Like, I want someone to prioritize me 
first. And that had never happened for me before. And I started to get a little bit resentful of that, which I think was the beginning of me really having that turning point. Something deep down inside me was like, listen, knock it off. Like you, that maybe it was that ego that was coming out to protect me. That was like, you, you got to get moving on this. This is, this is not working for you. Um, but I, I heard a, a quote by Glennon Doyle, I think a couple of weeks ago, and I'm probably not going to get it exactly right, but she had sent something to the effect of the, the things that we um, don't trust are the things that we can't control. And I really think that at a certain point, I, I also realized that I was heading so far down the runway that I wasn't trusting myself to make good decisions about a partner in life. And I needed to kind of stop and pump the brakes because I knew that if I got too far, too far down the runway, I would not be able to come back from that. Like I would ultimately make a really bad decision that I didn't know that I would recover from. And, and so I think for me, like that really came up too when I heard you talking is that you know, when you, when you start to feel like you're losing yourself, there was something there that really kind of just intrinsically kind of brought me back to say, like, knock it off. We got it. We got to try something different. And, and, um, this is brilliant. We're going to get to your beautiful, like the, the good love story in a moment, but I, I really want to unpack this first because so many people listening will be at this point and I think it's so valuable for you to have been there and for you to be living in a different result. I just think this is so powerful. So I kind of want to dig into this a bit. Um, but what would you say to someone who has just had that inner feeling of the break coming on and the inner voice just coming up and saying, this isn't working uh, and it's time for you to start valuing yourself. Uh, do you have any advice for someone who's like just at the end of, of something that has brought them to their knees and made them feel really like, why can't someone love me? Why couldn't that person love me? What did I do it wrong? Like what? And then hang on, hang on. But maybe it's my turn to start for someone to actually making, giving, giving me the love that I give to others. If I'm over here wanting to love people, you know, <laughs> so hard, like surely there's someone that can do that to me. Um, what would you say to, I guess that, that version of yourself back then that just realized that this wasn't working I, you know, I, well, first of all, I think if it was a girlfriend of mine, I'd give her a really long, awkward hug. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like I, that's the first thing I think I would do and just let her know, like, it's, this is about you, but it's not, it's not you. Yeah. Like It's a series of um, bad decisions, but that you were doing the best you could in the moment. You know, I think when we know better, we do better. And uh, you were doing the best you could and your intentions were good. So, you know, I, I also think that it's really important that when when we know something bad is going to happen or we're not going to feel great, I think we all have a, an inclination to do this is to distract ourselves with something, you know, to get that dopamine hit where we, we want to feel better. We go off and do something that either distracts us or makes us feel better. And I don't know if it's age or that, you know, I think just knowledge, I just, I'm a bit, I nerd out on tons of different types of books and I love to read and I've really been in a transformation in the last two and a half years. But I sometimes just believe that we have to sit in the ugly mm -hmm. uh, to be able to kind of work through it. Otherwise it just keeps coming back over and over again and it will manifest often in different ways. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, the common denominator was the same every time. And so for me, I would say, um, know that the ugly is coming and you're not going to feel great, but if you let yourself sit in it, 
there's going to be a rainbow at the end and it's going to pass and you're going to be okay. Like it's not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. I think that would be the best thing that I could tell somebody because it's not going to feel good. And to tell someone that, you know, you'll be fine. I really think that's quite dismissive because when you're in the thick of it, you feel like you're never going to get out of it because you've been through this so many times. And, um, you know, like I got to the point where I would have friends that were married for years and couldn't understand why they would not get anxious when they would have a fight in fear that their husbands would leave them. Like that to me just seems so disturbing that I was really in that place where I felt like there was this sense of you had to be perfect. And you, you know, like there couldn't be any fighting, there couldn't be any sort of um, turmoil in any way. And that if there was, then it was potentially going to be risking a relationship. And, you know, and I, and I, again, like, I think that you just get to that point where you're just willing to give so much of yourself to the other person that you compromise to the point where it's exhausting. Like you're, it's just exhausting to be in that relationship and you don't even realize it. So, um, you know, I think again, it's just, there is peace, I believe in, in being alone with yourself sometimes, and there can be a lot of discovery in that. So, you know, I think taking the time to, be alone with yourself and do some work and try to figure out some of those deep, dark things that maybe are blocks. And, you know, that can be really helpful, but ultimately I would, I would give her a big, big hug and let her know this is going to get ugly really fast for a while, but you're okay. You're strong. You're going to get through it. Oh my gosh. That was just incredible. Um, I love that it is sit, sit with the ugly. It's like that saying, sit with it. And I, I think that is medicine, like people need to hear that um, because it's the ultimate form of self-validation and our society is really kind of short on validation. It's really like, don't cry, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Instead of being like, yeah, I can see that really hurts and that makes sense. It makes like, those are the golden words for validation. It makes sense that you're upset and and at holding space, it's almost like, um, we as a society have lost touch with being the masculine and allowing the feminine in the sense that uh, we want to get rid of the emotions. We want to get rid of the big hard stuff uh, and that feminine energy of embodying and being with and surrendering into your body and not trying to escape it, as you said, with like trying to get dopamine and highs to kind of take away the pain, but actually sitting in your body and being with the pain knowing that like this too shall pass but right now this is the ultimate surrender and this is how I validate all of me uh, and honestly there I don't know if you found this but there's a weird magic that happens when you're willing to really feel something it's like the moment that you really cry and you feel it and you be with the emotions and then like purge them out uh, I have found sometimes the very thing that I was crying about kind of shifts but it was not going to go off my path until I actually felt it did you feel like that did you feel like like the way through transformation was like feeling out the stuff yeah for sure and I mean I'm a crier I definitely feel like I am uh very much an empath and I take on a, a lot of other people so uh, I definitely for me crying is very cathartic I, I you know I for me it helps me move that energy through and I get clarity from crying so I, I never apologize for crying. I actually think it's my superpower now because it really helps. I have a lot of things that will come to me after I've had a really good cry and, and work things through. 
Um, so yeah, I would, I would say that when, you know, I'm thinking back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that there was a lot of clarity that came from that. And, and I felt calmer, oddly, once I got through the, like the real first few days of really feeling just that broken heart and that this was never going to happen for me and that I could convince myself I didn't want it, but I still kind of did and wasn't quite there yet. When I let myself really just be okay with that and sit in it, I came out of that actually feeling very, um, not light, but I would say I just felt more at peace. I felt like I've never, so my word of 2022 is surrender, which is really odd for me because I've always thought of the word surrender as giving up. Like to me, that always had that sense of you were giving up on something. And, um, when I look back at this now, when I, you know, as we're talking about it, for me, the word surrender now means that I have loosened my grip a little bit and mm -hmm. that I'm allowing things to come in because I'm just giving way to them. And mm -hmm. I'm allowing things to come in that maybe I would have missed because I had blinders on and I was so focused or I wouldn't have been open to. And also to let go of the things that aren't serving me so that I can create space for the things that will better serve me. And I wish that then I would have been able to see the word surrender at that point, because I really do feel that at some point I just threw up my hands and said, okay, like I'm, I have no control over this anymore. And I'm just going to kind of close my eyes and take the first step. And mm -hmm. that was, I think, really the beginning of it for me, but I didn't see it really in that sense of surrendering because I still felt like I needed to have a little bit of control, but there was this sense of freedom and release for sure. This is magical. Um, so I wrote a chapter in a book and like pretty much the opening line is all the magic is on the other side of surrender. And I see people really resist this concept of surrender. They think it is giving up. And so I found different words for it. Surrender is being with what is. It is radical acceptance. And the analogy I give is giving birth to a child. You, you, you've got to surrender to let the baby come out in the most easiest way possible but you're not walking out the room like you're still there for the process you know what I mean you you let go and you be with what is and you accept that whatever's going to happen is going to happen and instead of fighting the process uh you be with it you accept it you have this this as you said throwing your arms up like I I give up the struggle right I, I accept you know, and I, so I love that what you're saying here. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I teach about leadership and someone asked me the other day, we were talking about authentic leadership and it's sort of this buzzword. And they asked me, they said, well, what does authentic leadership mean to you? And I really think that sometimes when we get these words that we use a lot in our vocabulary, it's good to have a, like an emotion or a feeling that we can relate to that everybody can sort of relate to attached to that. So people really, and I said to her, for me, authentic being authentic means just being right. And it, and I thought of Brene Brown when she has that quote to say that in her research, a lot of her research, when she talked about people wanting to belong, that that's, we think that it's about fitting in and being part of something in a group or a community. But she said, the research really isn't about that at all. What the research revealed was that it's about coming home to ourselves and so for me, those two are connected. I can't be authentic if I'm not in a place of belonging with myself. And so for me, it's like when you go on vacation, 
and you wake up on that first day of vacation and you open your eyes and you realize that you don't need to be anywhere. You don't have to get on your phone. You can decide to do anything you want on that first day. And you can just kind of breathe a little bigger and deeper. That's for me what like being authentic is. And I think that I wasn't able to articulate that really until just a few years ago. But that's that sense for me. Like, you know, when you say, what would you tell someone? would say, try to get to that place. Like try to do the work to try to get you there. Because when you get there, game over. You have the keys mm. to the kingdom. Mm. <laughs> mm. I could not agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. Um, and I also call that feeling alignment. Alignment is like when you're on your most authentic, truest path, you, you're not looking to be anywhere else. You're not wondering if you're in alignment. You're not wondering if you're doing, it just feels right. <laughs> yeah. It's peaceful. It's just yeah. calm and peaceful. And also like there's a sense of gratitude, you know, mm-hmm. um, amazing. So if we now go back, what I'm intrigued about now, another, another thing that flew off when you were initially talking was, and I love that we went on this beautiful journey to surrender. It was so valuable. Um, but at, at, as you were initially talking at the start, um, you said, I sort of said, I'm going to just not need a relationship, but underneath I still um, did want one. And I think that's a really cool thing to explore because I've been interviewing people that get the love that they want so far. And a real trend is people saying, I wasn't looking, I wasn't looking, I wasn't looking. And here we've got you saying, I wasn't looking like you, your, your journey is more of an embodiment of surrender. It's like you are, you're still going to try and give birth to the baby. Like you're not going to abandon the process, but you're coming in with a different energy of like, well, it might happen. It might not. And I'm, I'm showing up anyway. So for you, it was more like, I'm sort of looking, but I'm okay. If it doesn't happen, is that, is that what you would say it was for you? Yeah, I would say that. And I, you know, I, again, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and it's so obvious, but sometimes you don't see it when you're walking in the real weeds, right? Like when you're up to your knees and your own stuff. But I grew up as an only child to a single mother and a, uh, who, you know, my father was absent and, uh, I saw her really struggle, but she was also, inc- well, she still is. She's alive. I adore her. She is, one of the strongest women I've ever met. Uh, you know, we grew up presumably pretty poor, and I never knew that because she had such a strong pride of home uh, that I I never knew that you know she had to really struggle to make ends meet. And we had a beautiful home, and she would save for the best furniture she could have, and then take really good care of it. And I think I was eight before I realized that not everybody got a Christmas hamper. I thought Santa brought them for everybody. And it was, you know, I, I was, I was quite old before I realized that. And so I think part of that is that I do believe that to a certain extent, we become products of our environment. I, the, the, that, that strong independent part of myself that my mother had raised for me to be very independent and value and education and being able to take care of myself was, you know, from the fact that she lost her father when she was 16. Um, he, he passed away, unfortunately, very suddenly and very early. And she was the baby of three girls. So she grew up very quickly without, you know, a father past 16 and, um, you know, had to quit school to help my grandmother pay for her two older sisters who got married in the same year. My mom never married, uh, raised me on her own. And I, you know, I, I felt like I was strong and I didn't need it because I never really saw what that was emulated like in my life. 
But I think that part of me of watching her go through life sort of on her own made me want it even more in an odd sort of way. And I knew she wanted it for me as well. Um, so yeah, there was a lot, a, a lot going on. I knew I would be happy without it because I just know the kind of person I, I am, but I had always seen my future self being in a healthy relationship with someone. Mm, amazing. And so what do you think ultimately was the thing that allowed you to finally meet the right person? Um, I, because I think I was open to not continuing to do what I had been doing up until that point. And I also had, you know, to be fast forward a little bit, I also had a friend who was sort of uh, going through a similar situation as me. She's about 20 years older than me, but she had uh, gone through a really painful divorce the year and a half before I started to really get serious about this journey of mine that I was on. And I had helped her through that really painful, painful experience. And we became quite close. And I remember we went out for lunch one day and it was maybe two days after my first date with my now husband. And um, he was not someone that I would normally have gone out with really um, in terms of, you know, just his, his appearance and and his profile. Um, And she said to me, well, will, will you go out with him again? And I said, well, he's a really nice guy. Like, maybe and she said to me can you just do me a favor and go out with him again because what you're doing is not working and this guy sounds really great and you need to give him a second chance and I think that sometimes we need those people in our life to kind of like sort of like lovingly smack us in the back of the head and kind of say like you know this is your choice and I'll support you no matter what you do but I'm letting you know that I'm seeing this from a different vantage point. And I and and please just give this another go. Cause because I think this might be good for you. And when you're open enough to listen to that, because you know it's coming from a place of really true caring and wanting you to be happy and have everything you deserve, it makes it easier to look at yourself and say, maybe I'm maybe I'm not making the best decisions and I need I need people like this in my life that can help me right now because like I said um, I I didn't feel 100% sure that I was always making the best decisions on my own behalf oh that's so brilliant and it's honestly it's bringing to mind when you're watching a tv show and there's like the bad boy and like the really nice guy and you see the female character going for the bad boy and you want to reach through the screen and say stop and like we have friends like this in life that it's like they keep they keep wanting to go for this impressive cool unavailable dude that clearly is not gonna love them they it's clear that this guy does not have connection and being a team player is a top value but they're just like because he's so unneedy and in his own energy they're just so like oh my gosh they just flock and they get there but like but like he's a cool human but he's not available for the connection you're looking for connection and so it's like you see and you just want to say like see this guy he's really nice like give it a chance let it build real intimacy is not feeling hot and heavy at the start it is building something emotional and eventually together you'll take that into the physical um and so I love that you had a friend that kind of was watching and was just like look (laughs) this over here is nice like give that a try um and so tell me do tell me about like what was your first impression 
of your husband? Well, if you ask him, he'll tell you that he approached me online first and that's a total lie. And I said that at my wedding, I called him out and I'm like, you did not, I made the first move. So let's just get that straight first of all. Um, and you know, the funny thing is, is that when I see I, he's not someone that I would have typically reached out to. It's not because he's not incredibly handsome man. He's six, three, I'm five feet tall, which is ridiculous, but he's, you know, very dark hair. He's just a, a when he hugs me, I just feel like I'm like, nothing could go wrong in the world. Like it's just this big hug um, oh and <clears throat> the kindest man ever. So I reached out to him online and we, you know, exchanged a few emails. And then I think we had about three or four phone calls. And I finally just said to him, listen, I'm not on here to make friends. Like I, if you don't want to meet, then let's just kind of go our separate ways. Because I, anyone who's been online knows that there's people who just want to like, chat and don't really ever want to meet and and unfortunately it's been my experience that typically when that happens it's because they've probably posted a picture from 20 years ago <laughs> they're hiding something so and, and that's fine they, again like I say that with no judgment it's just that's not where I was as you know I was kind of like let's let's keep yeah. things moving no, I always recommend people get um on the phone and then on a date ASAP do not get lost yeah. in DMs because also there is Unfortunately, there is like um, dating games coach, coaches out there that will get a guy who just wants essentially a lot of sex with a lot of different women. He'll get yeah. them to just um, build emo emotional relationships in an inbox, in a DM, in a conversation. So they don't have to take you out. They don't have to put the skin in the game. They don't have to pay for a, a drink or a dinner or whatever. They can just build emotion. And the idea is they get you so connected that by the time they finally turn up, they're kind of guaranteed to sleep with you. And that's out there and they're like players and they're in the inbox with like 20 people. And a really good way to filter them out is to just say, hey, like I'm not really one for being in the inbox. Um, can we jump on a phone call? And then and then it, because the real only the real people are going to show up to the phone call and take the effort of going on the date. Yeah. You want to get in real life ASAP. Not only that, it's so important to get around someone's biology pretty quickly. The yeah. smells, the scents. Uh, our body can pick up DNA and stuff. So anyway, I just want to say yeah. from my point of view, this is, I love your strategy here of, hey, like I know what I want and I'm just going to share it. And I'm not sharing it to pressure you or play a game with you. I'm sharing it because it's like authentically my truth. It's just, this is my boundary right now. Um, yeah. It's beautiful. I love that you're saying this. Awesome. So you're chatting. And so you we chatted a little bit and we, so we set a date for dinner and he lives quite he lived quite far from where I, I lived at the time I'm in Vancouver British Columbia he was in North Vancouver I was near the um Washington state border in a small town called White Rock and so that's like a good hour and 20 minute drive one direction and we were going to meet downtown Vancouver so I said okay well, where's the restaurant I'll meet you he's like no that's not how I roll I'm coming to pick you up and I'm like you're not driving like an hour and 10 minutes we're going to go half to buy and then like if that's four trips for you that's just ridiculous he said, listen, I want you to feel comfortable and safe. So if you don't, I'm not going to push it, but I would really like to come pick you up. Oh, I love this guy already. Yeah. So I said, all right. So he comes and he picks me up. And um, I remember joking with him. We were talking about this the other day because he, of course, opened, he got out of the car and opened the car door for me. And when he got in, I said to him, listen, my first rule is that if you're, if we keep dating, if you're not going to do this forever, then don't, don't keep opening the door for me now. Like don't set a precedent <laughs> if you're not going to do this after like, and he's, so he started laughing. So we went for dinner and when we got to the restaurant, um, we parked across the street because parking is brutal in Vancouver. 
and we went up to the restaurant and it's it's an old house and it was it's a beautiful Italian restaurant it's and uh, we went up these stairs and we had dinner and it was one of those nights where the night just sort of flew away like you you I didn't even notice and I sort of looked around and all the they like were packing up but quietly letting us still chat there was nobody else in the restaurant and he he had been there several times with his business so they knew him and just sort of letting us sit. Um, so we made the decision to, to get up and go and we were standing at the door and it had started to rain. And so he said to me, well, listen, I'll go across the street and I'll get the car and I'll bring it around. You're in heels so that you don't have to walk across the street. And me being like independent, like I said, no, 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 it's fine. It's no problem. And so he put his hand on the small of my back, just as we were walking through the door before I kind of grabbed the handrail to go down these stairs. And I had this weird like tingle that went through my body when he did that. And I was like, hmm, well, that's interesting. And I didn't really think much of it. Uh, so we drove home and he was very much a gentleman and gave me, a, you know, a respectful kiss goodnight. And we kind of, that was it. Um, and then the next day, or so we kept in touch um, but because, you know, we lived a little bit of a distance, it was kind of perfect because I think we were both really quite independent and uh, he had um, been married and divorced five years ago and he had two children. So he was busy. And uh, the next weekend we, I came over to his house and it was his birthday. So he cooked, you know, a nice dinner and it was great. Um, and then I was getting ready to go nurse in Haiti. So I think we'd only been really sort of seeing each other two or three weeks. And I thought for sure, cause I was leaving for Haiti for three weeks and I thought, okay, well, this is it. Like I'm going to go for three weeks. He's going to keep dating other women. I'm going to get back and he's going to have moved on. So I really didn't um, put a lot of weight into the fact that this was going to be a relationship that was going to be available to me when I got back. And sure enough, when I got back, he texted me and he's like, Hey, I, you're back. I think you're back today. I just was, I've been thinking about you want to make sure you got back safely. I uh, would love to see you when you're ready. So it's like, Oh, okay. Well that's, and you know, I think just from there, we just took it really slow. I mean, I, I think it was a year before we both told each other that we loved each other. Um, and there was just this recognition that we were both bringing a lot of baggage into the relationship and we sort of needed to be easy on each other. Um, and so there was no talk about uh, commitment or like, where is this going? And is it moving fast enough? And uh, and I didn't feel that I was compromising in not asking those questions because it felt like it was progressing in its own really unique, supportive way. Like it was slow. It was really slow, but it felt like we were going somewhere. And then, when, of course, when I met his children at the time, I knew that that, you know, was was a big deal. Um, and so I we took that very seriously. Like, I don't want to be in the business of ruining somebody else's child. So, um, you know, that was something that we treaded very lightly on. Um, and then, you know, I would say we moved in together and then ultimately um, the proposal came, um, as I said, five years ago. He, because my mom is, you know, he knows that I'm very close to my mother. She comes every Christmas to visit because she lives across country. And uh, she came out at Christmas to visit and he had planned to propose at Christmas. So he booked a dinner in the same restaurant where we had our first date. Oh. 
and um, which isn't unusual for him because we usually will take my mom out for a few really nice dinners and spoil her when she's here. So we were going out for dinner. And the funny thing is, is that my engagement ring had arrived two nights earlier by mail. He had it custom made. And um, the woman that he that he had it, it made through just transports diamonds in the mail. She's like, oh, no, that's totally fine. And he was like, okay, if that's how we do it. So um, this package came around 10 o'clock at night. And I said to him, like, who, what is being delivered to our house at, at this late? And he had had some computer problems and lied and said, oh, it was a computer part that I think I got on Amazon or something or Microsoft <laughs> shipped to me. And it was a computer part. And I, so I didn't even, like, I really didn't think anything about it. Hmm. So we go for dinner and uh, we're, we're having this lovely dinner. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sitting and my mom is to my left and he's on my right. And I see him um, kind of head towards the floor. Now my husband's like six, three, he's a big man and he has bad knees. So I'm like, what, <laughs> like in my mind, I'm like, what are you doing? And we're in a, like an expensive restaurant. So I'm like, what are you doing on the floor? <laughs> and he's like, he's wearing like a dress shirt and sees like, oh, I think I lost my cuff link must've fallen on the floor. And I said, babe, just leave it. Like, we'll get it later. Like get off the floor. <laughs> like in my mind, I was not even, and then I looked over and he opened, he was down on one knee and he opened the box and he said, Michelle, will you marry me? And my mom was having an out of body experience at that point. <laughs> she said yes before I did. She was, she was like, and, and, and jokingly, he said, well, that's why I wanted your mom there because like, this was as much a proposal for her as it was for you, really. Like, I, it had, there was no other option. She had to be there for it. So, you know, and that was it. Like, I mean, that was the, and I remember he said it was so funny because it was, he said it was like watching a tennis match with your eyes because I was looking at the box and looking at him. And I did that about five times because in my mind, I was like, is this happening? Like, I don't, am I dreaming? are you punking me? Like what? I just, it took like, it took a long time for that to actually process in my mind. So of course I said, yes. And the funny thing was, and you know, and then the restaurant, because they knew us got champagne for the whole restaurant and, Aww. and the, and, and the young couple sitting behind us, um, she came over to me when they were getting ready to leave. She said, can I just hug you? Said, yeah, this is of course. And she says, you know what? I have to thank you so much because she said, I am so mad. I, when I go to work, all my girlfriends on the weekend come in and they have some amazing story that happened to them when they're <laughs> out on the weekend and nothing ever happens to me, nothing. And she's like, now I'm the one that gets to tell the story about the proposal that I got to watch and we got free champagne. So she's like, thank you. And I'm like, you're welcome. Like I actually had nothing to do with it, but it was just fun to see other people get really excited for us over that. So um, so yeah, so we, uh, we got married, uh, a year and a half later, you know, we rented out, uh, my husband's a wine collector. So we went to rented out a, a winery that we love here in the Okanagan Valley, uh, for a weekend and had our closest family and friends. We had like 65 people at our wedding and we had the whole winery to ourselves and, um, yeah, it was a beautiful day and I wish I could do it over 10 times over. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love this so much. I love about that. Um, and I, I once years ago, I read this thing that the, there's a study that 
at a wedding when the couple is like deeply in love. Um, they've done like, they've taken samples and, and everyone at the whole wedding, that everyone's off, everyone gets a flood of oxytocin. So just being around the love of other people actually gives us oxytocin, which is why it's kind of so sad that we can get distracted by jealousy sometimes. It's like, no, no, we're all, we're all, if anyone else is in love, everyone benefits. Um, and I love that that kind of played out in the restaurant that like this is amazing proposal and everyone felt it in the room. It's like the oxytocin just like went through the room. <laughs> so funny. Your mom had an out-of-body experience and she says, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I proposed to as well. That is she so She actually funny. asked me if she could try the ring on. And I'm like, oh, don't be gosh. weird. No, you can't. Like, <laughs> she wasn't trying to be too much and overbearing. She was just literally so excited that she yeah. just wasn't like, she was out of her mind. She wasn't. Yeah. And it was the same thing at the wedding. I mean, she was inviting people to the wedding before we even told her we were going to have it. I said, this is not your wedding. Uninvite those people. Um, and, and the day of the wedding, she walked me down the aisle, which is the way it was always going to be if I got married. And I remember looking at her and she looked at me and I could see she was doing everything she could just to hold it together. Um, and we had a, a, a gentleman that was singing, uh, and I just, all I thought was, I just want to take my time and relish in this moment. But I thought I just got to get her from here to the end because I don't know that she's going to be able to like hang on long enough. So um, my friends afterward, they said, like, you were kind of booking it down the aisle. And I said, yeah, it wasn't because I didn't want to. It's because I needed to get my mom into a chair because I was worried she was going to lose her mind. So she just really wanted this for you. She knew what it was like to, to lose yeah. a husband and to to not have that kind of love in, in your life. And so she was just so pumped to have this for you. Absolutely. Something I really want to track back to that I think is really valuable for, for others to hear is, um, is interestingly, you know, you get to 40. And you've always had this dream of of having love and it's not there. Your mind had every reason to want to race ahead and to feel anxious and to have this tingle go up your back. And to, like your mind had every reason to what I call go masculine, as in start chasing down and trying to make this happen and start pursuing it. But you, it is like the connection you had uh, with your husband. It is like it naturally uh didn't didn't kick up your anxiety and just it was like it it made you feel so safe that you were just so surrendered throughout the process even though your mind had every reason to want to race your you stayed in your body and with the process and you weren't panicked you were very calm you're like it was very it was a very slow year now you would think if you've been wanting this your whole life and you're kind of very close to it that you would be panicking like whoa can we uh you know but it seems like when you found the right thing, uh, almost like the there was like a knowing in your system that that stopped you from wanting to race or be anxious. Yeah, I think you're right. I also think that like I really believe like I teach this with my leadership. Leadership is an exchange of energy. That's it. We've made it way more complicated than it needs to be. That's all it is. I love and that. I really think that once I was able to surrender to this new approach that I was taking, my energy shifted. I wasn't coming, I wasn't giving off the energy of scarcity and like, are we going to get married? Like that just wasn't, I wasn't exuding that because I had sort of just said, I, I'm not being great at controlling this. So I'm just sort of giving it up and I'm, I'm going to see where I go or where this takes me. And I think that also made a big difference is that 
uh, I felt calmer because of that. But I then I also wasn't giving off that crazy energy to other people where I might have been saying, no, 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 it's okay. I don't want that. But you can feel it when someone really does. It's that that energy is coming off. And, you know, I don't I don't want to tell too much about his story. But, you know, like I said, I think after, you know, you've had breakups, we all come to relationships with tra trauma. And and I and he had been really open about that with me and what he wanted right out of the gate. And, and I knew that if I pushed it and rushed it, he would have absolutely beelined it because he needed some time to process. And um, I think determine like, you know, and there was children involved too. And that really, I think it gave me the opportunity to say like, this isn't about just you and him anymore. There's other people involved. So just take a breath. Like it's, it's fine. Um, so he, yeah, I mean, I think there was a combination of a bunch of things, but I remember he told me, um, I continued to go to Haiti for a few years after that. And one of the years, I think it was the first full year after we had dated and it was a really, uh, there was a lot of turmoil going on in the country while I was there and the internet wasn't great. So there had been a few days where I hadn't been able to connect with him and he was getting a little bit worried. So when I got home. Uh, I think it was the day after I got home, I saw him and that was the first time we told each other that we loved each other. And when we talked about that after I asked, I said, you know, why then? And he said, because when you were away and the kids were not with me, the house was really quiet. And I realized that I would never have forgiven myself if I never told you that I loved you and something happened to you. So, you know, for me, that was sort of like, you know, it's, it's that Jerry Maguire, like you had me at hello. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like, we're good. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think there was, there was some of those cues too, that I knew he was all in. He just, he needed, he needed time to process in his own way too. And I felt really comfortable allowing him to have the time that he needed to get to where he needed to be too. So, um, yeah, I think it was just... I mean, I hate to say when you're with the right person, you know, you know, because I didn't really, I mean, at my core, I didn't know, but I knew this was different than anything else I had had before. And he also told me, he said, you know, the first night we went out on our first date and you were talking about, you know, previous, we were, we were talking about previous relationships, but not in an awkward sort of way that everybody tells you not to do on a first date. And he said to me, I could tell you had such a great heart and I just so badly wanted to be that guy for you that that kind of was your superhero. Like I wanted to be the guy that made everything go away that every other guy had taken from you or destroyed. He said like, I don't, I can't tell you why it wasn't from a place of pity. It was just, I just so badly wanted to be that person for you. And I didn't know that. I mean, he told me that much later um, mm -hmm. when we knew that we were in a much more serious relationship. So I don't know, maybe he was giving off that energy too. Mm. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's just the whole thing is very, my brain thinks like a masculine feminine framework. And it's the whole thing is very masculine feminine. You're in the surrender. He feels his desire to protect and care for you. I'm like, this is amazing. This is just, uh, it's a great, it's a great story. And when I hear this, I know that the two of you must have like an incredible dynamic going on. Um, there is something that I really want to, oh, this is what I want to ask is, uh, and you have said a bit of it, but I just want to, I just want to get a little bit more clarity on this because I think this is a really important point. 
do you think you were able to be because like okay it all makes sense that you were surrendered because you had to move slow but um it, it sounds like you had in previous parts of your life even when probably the moment called for surrender you had had that scarcity and you had had that uh more moving from the head than the soul or the body um do you think it is something that you did before this relationship like all the crying and the sitting with it and the being with and the accepting and blah, blah. do you think it's that that allowed you to move differently and be with the the slowness of this process and accept that you know because okay he had kids and he'd had his past but a lot of women will see that and they'll still just say well too bad like and i'm going to try and move it along anyway but for you to actually be present with that and being willing and comfortable and it being authentic for you to be like yeah no worries like and that like what do you think do you think it was something that you did that allowed you to finally be in this feminine energy of surrender well yeah i mean i think definitely it was like sitting in that ugly space for a while and really thinking about what got me to that point and again not with judgment for myself but 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 radical honesty like how how did i end up here at almost 40 at that point so there was that i think the other thing too for me is that i really like i i love now that you called it the science experiment because what i realized was that when i was making decisions that didn't feel in alignment with myself where i was compromising parts of myself so where i would not voice my opinion when i wanted to where if we said the you know where do you want to go for dinner and i would always just say well you pick the restaurant it's fine i would never uh or i you know like there was just so many times when i just felt like i was compromising myself or my voice and it never felt okay one of the decisions that I made to myself was that I wasn't going to do that anymore. But I also knew that I, if I did it to the extreme, which would have been easy for me to do, because there was a little bit of like anger there, like I'm, I'm going to stick up for myself now, that it would also come off in a way that I didn't want it to. So for me, what it, I, I, I learned this dance of just recognizing like in those small moments when we were sort of navigating this in the early days of dating, when I felt that desire to kind of the old tug to just say, oh, well, it's okay, you just pick the restaurant. I would be like, mm, that actually doesn't feel great for me right now. So if he asks me, it's because he wants to know I'm going to tell him. So I would tell him and nothing bad happened. So then I'm like, well, I got to rewrite that story because it's not validating the story that I had created before. It's actually okay for me to have a voice and for me to speak up. But there were other times where I could have um, said something like, you know, for example, when um, I knew that, you know, he was struggling with something and if I pushed, that would have really been a deterrent for him. Those were times because I knew that I didn't feel like it was an alignment for me. So I felt like if I pushed it, that would have been really only serving myself and not serving the relationship. So I was okay to not voice anything at that point and to kind of just take a step back and and let it be. So, you know, I think that that's, for me, it was just learning that dance of when do I feel like I'm compromising myself and when does this feel like it's okay to let it go and maybe we'll swing back to it at another time. I love it. It's like the balance of how do I love me and you at the same time? How do I honor my needs and honor yours? It's the dance of learning that interdependence that I exist and I have a voice uh, and you also exist and you also have a voice and sometimes my voice is important and other times 
it is worth uh, deciding who has the greater need in this moment. Uh, so it was like you were learning the balance of instead of going to the extreme of codependence, I'm only going to love you and the extreme of just fierce independence. I'm entitled and I'm the only person here that matters. Uh, you came back, you were coming to the dance of the center. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So do you have any tips on make you know getting the love that you want have you got any we're, we're about to wrap up so have you got any tips that you want to give people that don't currently have the love that they that they want gosh that's like I, you know i knew you were probably going to ask me something <laughs> like that and i think it's the million dollar question but um you know i would just say just go back and listen to this episode again like i i just i think that it needs to just you need to feel that you are showing up as as who you are and I don't even think it has to be the best version of yourself. Like, I think that sometimes when we, when we first start dating, we show like the best version of ourselves. And that's almost like being a bit untruthful because really like, if you can't see me on the days that I have no makeup or like today where this is like what I look like after I cut the grass, then that's going to be a problem. Cause I'm not going to wake up every day looking like a supermodel and my hair is not going to be done. And quite honestly, I look like a train wreck when I wake up in the morning. So, <laughs> um, you know, I think I would just say, find a spot where you feel like you're in a really good place because when you feel calm and centered, that's when you're going to be most attractive and most attracted to the person that's at the same frequency of energy that you have and that's going to be an ideal match for you like I really believe that um, energy is like a life force that it's like it, it's it's like a lighthouse right it's what calls our ships home when you connect with that light that's being sent out it's because it's on the same frequency as you and that you will just call those ships home and 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 uh and People will show up in your life that you maybe weren't expecting, but you got to get that energy in that right place and, and feel good with you before you can kind of go out and I think try to hope to find the love of your life. Wow. <laughs> wow. I love that so much. That was golden. That was like um, <clears throat> the key to life. Uh, <laughs> like if, if, if people really hear that and it lands and they might like I, I we got to listen to this episode 10 times people you got to listen to episode 10 times and soak this in wow like if your nervous system just gets inundated with this message and on any level plants a seed and takes it in um no oh, so good so good this is and there's too many moments that were brilliant but i don't know which one to choose is it like you know showing up as as yourself instead of like your best self it's more like um as your authentic, yeah, like you, you don't you don't want someone that's only gonna love your best self. You know what I mean? You want the person that's gonna see past that and connect with your soul, right? Um, but also, you know, the the idea of it's when your energy is in a good place that you're gonna attract in the right the right people for you, and that your that your energy is like that is like that signal that allows that to happen. Oh my gosh, I've experienced that to be true. Like I, I like I totally, totally hear you. And I love that you've put such beautiful words to articulating it. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share that I haven't asked, but you think is important to mention when it comes to relationships and love? And, and this, is, there, is there anything that you haven't been able to, you know, share today that you feel like you want to share? 
know. I mean, I love this relationship and I just, I think it had such a wonderful flow to it. And I really hope that people who are listening, you know, will get value out of it. Um, you know, I never really thought my love story was a story that other people would find fascinating, but uh, I think that where the, for me, where I think where the growth would be, and maybe what I would say to other people is like, allow me to be your future self. If you are where I was at the beginning of this journey, listen to me now and tell, let, you know, let me tell you that things will likely get better. I can't guarantee you're going to find the love of your life, but I can tell you that if you can um, come home to yourself, like we talked about earlier and find that place where you feel really more yourself than you ever have, there will be nothing bad that happens in your life. Like I just, in, in my bones, I know that to be true. Um, so, you know, I would just, I, there was nobody there that could tell me that, uh, when I was going through this and that I would be now be on this, this journey and be where I am now. And I would hope that if, if I could be that, that future voice for someone else to say, you're, you're good, you're going to, you're going to be okay, but you're going to need to do some work first. But if you get your energy sorted out, your life is going to be pretty awesome. Mm. Mm, just amazing amazing I actually have one final question if that's all right yeah um it just came up oh I didn't ask that and I really want to know it uh, if you kind of mentioned that relationships before were a bit like you know to put my own words to it uh walking on eggshells it was like a delicate balance of if I do the wrong thing this person will just leave me like anytime there's a bit of friction it's such a you know like there's no space for actually working through conflict or for having a voice um, you know, it's kind of this person's way or the highway. Um, if that was your previous experience, what is the contrast of what you're in now? What is it? Cause a lot of people, that's all they know. What else is possible? What, what does it feel like now? Well, I think the opposite of that is that I don't think that like I, you know, my husband and I can have arguments now and I don't feel like he's going to run out the door. So it's the opposite of that for sure. But I think the other side of that, though, is is that um, it still takes a lot of work. You know, we communicate very differently. And so when you add emotion to that and the energy changes and gets heightened a little bit, um, if those communication styles aren't completely aligned, it can make it really difficult to find a path forward. So, you know, I would also say that even when you find the love of your life, marriage is still really hard. Like it can take a lot of work. And there's days that I'm sure if he could like smother me in my sleep and get away with murder, he might actually think about it. <laughs> but we've made it through a pandemic where we both ended up having to work from, oh, he works from home all the time, but I was home working from home for a good chunk of it. And we still like each other. And we, you know, we made jokes about it. He would do everything in his power to try to make me crack up while he knew I was on a really important Zoom call and do funny things behind me. And I think you just, at the end of the day, you know, this is your person, you know, you can fight and you can argue and, um, and get to a place where, you know, you're going to resolve it. It's just going to take a little bit of time. And there's going to be a lot of work and energy that's going to have to go into that. But on the other side of that, you know, that it actually brings you closer together. Um, and, and I don't always mean that you just feel like physically closer to that person, but there's this bond that, you know, at your core ties you closer to each other, um, that you, you can't 
it's not going to be an easy break. Like it's just, it's not. So the arguing is more of a product of whatever is going on in the environment for me now. It's not an indication of whether I have a healthy relationship. Yeah. 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 It's a way of kind of working through stress a bit. Yeah. Uh, and is there anything you want to say to us about lemon? You're a lover of all things <laughs> lemon. There's everything about lemons is amazing. And um, I have yet, I, I have, I don't have a friend who doesn't love lemons because I have to have lemons in my life. Um, so yeah, I know. I just, I, I love them. When we went to Italy, I wanted to steal all the lemons and bring them home. And I had more limoncello than I care to admit. Um, so yeah, I, it's just a, a love of mine. They are beautiful. I always, I always have lemon in the house. You're going to have start every day with a squeeze of lemon and some warm water. Yeah. So fresh, aren't they? Citrusy. Amazing. Michelle, Thank you so much. I mean, I think, you know, you're, is there, I often have people that are entrepreneurial, have their own podcast or whatever on here. And I usually say, is there a way people can get in contact with you? Um, Is there any offering or thing like that? Like, do you have a website or anything? Or, or do I just say, thanks for being here? And, you know, is there anything there that I can leave people with if they want to connect with you? Or if you, you do have some way of being of service? Yeah. So I, so I started a website, but I was kind of one of those people that, you know, started it. And then um, we lost our dog in January and just life got kind of busy and I didn't have time to do it. So I'm hoping to revisit it. Uh, But I would just say to people that if you are interested and you want to know more about me, people can just go to my website because all of my social media connections are there. That's sort of the place where you can find everything out about me. Um, And I do have, um, you know, some free things right now on a LinkedIn on my Instagram. So people can go there if they want it. And a lot of the stuff that I have right now that's posted is mostly on self-care and stress and burnout because I'm a nurse and I support a lot of healthcare professionals. Uh, I've been doing a lot of speaking engagements lately around stress and burnout and moral injury and kind of helping people with that just because of the climate that we're still in right now. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the focus that I have is, is based in that, but um, I love to hear from people. So if, if you liked it, just even drop me an email. I'd love to hear from people. Mm, what's, what's the website? Yeah. So it's uh, a curious C U R I S consulting.ca. It's, it's a rookie mistake. When I started my own business, I thought, gosh, what could I name my company that would be different from everyone else? And Curious is, is Latin for health. So ah. I thought, well, that's perfect. The problem is, is that nobody knows how to say it and nobody knows how to spell it. So it was like the first rookie mistake, but <laughs> it is what it is. I'm embracing it. I'm owning it. I love it now. But so yeah, it's, it's Curious, C-U-R-I-S consulting.ca because I'm in Canada. I love it. It will make people curious about the Curious yeah. thing. And therefore, it'll make it memorable. Well, that's great. I never it, thought of that play on words before. That's wonderful. Into putting the brain neural pathway into getting it in there and it'll stick. Yeah. All right, Michelle, thank you so much. I am incredibly grateful that you've come on the podcast. I am thrilled that I've got a recording of this conversation because I plan to listen to it over and over. Like I think there is, um, I really believe in the power of being in people's energy that, that just that have a good energy. <laughs> I love that you've shared that with us and we've like captured it. We could like play it over and over. Um, but this has been a really, really important episode that in my mind has said has really been about feminine energy, honestly. Yeah. It's really been about the, the power of surrender and being, being like going in, loving yourself, being with who you are, showing up as that. And uh, instead of trying to control and make life happen, just like being with yourself and being with what is. 
And I think that is like a very powerful message any day of the week. I think so many people, um, yeah, could really benefit from just the reminder of that or from hearing that for the first time. So just thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. Thank you. This was just so much fun and such a pleasure. And yeah, I, again, you know, I think we were aligned because our energies, I feel the same way about you. I just feel like our energies are kind of in that same place, which allowed this conversation to just feel so safe. And so um, just the ability to just let it free flow like this, it just felt very natural. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I felt it too. I recently heard about this concept of, I think it's called Dashana, when you're around someone, your energies mix, almost like an infinity symbol. And it's oh, like- what a beautiful thought. I've never heard that. Yeah, and, and it's a different alchemy with everyone. And I think it has been a really beautiful flow today. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Michelle. Okay. Wow, I think probably my excitement with that conversation came through as you were listening. Uh, but honestly, really, I just think this is crucial listening for anybody that doesn't currently have the love that they want in their life, whether that is uh, love from any any source, from, from themselves, from outside of themselves, from romantic love. I just, this was so important. This was just like the key to life, I think I said at one point. <laughs> it's just a story of self-love, of alignment, of making the unfamiliar familiar, of, of surrender, like there are so many success principles in this um, that are just really, really important. And I love that it's a journey of going from having a mindset that wasn't getting the result to actually taking that, that, that leap over to a new mindset of actually getting sick and tired of realizing that the current mindset is not working and actually doing something about it. So, so, so great. And I love that there was an inner voice and inner knowing that knew, that knew, hey, like your mind keeps trying to make these, you know, relationships, these situationships over here trying to work, but your soul underneath is having like this message of, no, 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 this is not what loving yourself looks like. No, no, no. And I love that Michelle really did have that inner knowing. And it was just when, when was it time to actually just like, when did the pain get so much that it was time to actually sit and listen to that and to actually start showing up for herself and start trusting herself and trusting that voice, you know, not the conditioning, not the programming, not the the, the, the fears and whatever, um, not the head, but actually going into her body and listening to that quiet knowing inside of herself. And also I love how when she started showing up for herself in that way, life almost sent her messengers. They sent her a friend like to nudge her over the line, like, please go on another date, please like, you know, life showed up for her too. And that is something I often share with clients is the cool thing about feminine energy is like people often think they have to be in this really ind fiercely independent masculine energy because otherwise who's going to show up. But the cool thing is, is when you start seeing life as your masculine energy by actually you just going into your feminine, you going into being and loving yourself and accepting yourself and uh, really sitting in your body and sitting with the ugly and sitting with the feelings and allowing the emotions and validating yourself. When you go feminine, life goes masculine. Life will send you the support and the people that have the messages that you need to hear. And so I love that she kind of went into this embodied uh, experience of sitting with the ugly, right? Of, of letting herself feel the feelings and feel the grief. 
uh, and then life center people saying, hey, like this way, like do this, right? Um, such a cool story. I'm all about this episode, honestly. Love it. Uh, and uh, my name's Elise Peck. If you'd like to learn more about me, about my one on one love coaching, life coaching, you can head to elisepeck.com, E L I. S-E-P-E-C-K. Often I offer a a free one-on-one strategy call on there where we can talk about where you currently are, where you want to go, and over a short phone call, discover if we're a match to to create that transformation in your life. Um, And I also have a blog on there. And also I'm pumping out these episodes so that if you're looking for the love that you want, that you can hear the journey that led other people to getting that result because success leaves clues, results leave cl- leaves clues. There is a formula to getting love. And I think it's one thing for me to tell you, oh, get an alignment, get into surrender, get into feminine energy. There's a formula. There's one thing for one person to just say this to you. It's a whole nother story for you to listen to story after story after story of people saying, and then I did this and then I got love. And then I did this and then I got love. And so my whole... Um, My whole hope here is that through the ancient art of sharing stories that we will learn from each other, that we will get the wisdom um, through storytelling, which was just how we always learned. It was always through parables and stories. And so I think finding people that have the result you want and listening to their story is a really cool way for your mind to just absorb what it's ready to absorb in this moment and to plant the seeds that will later blossom into you getting the love that you want. All right. Thank you so much for joining. If you know someone that has beautiful love in their life, that has a really cool love story, uh, diverse, every, any, every, every love story is welcome. Please encourage them to book in a podcast interview with me so that we can collect their love story and have another data point on our journey to being students of love, to really understanding um, how people come to have an amazing romantic partnership love in their life. So encourage them to head to my website, elisepeck.com, go to the book now tab and book in a podcast interview with me because I love love stories. I would love to hear theirs and I'd love to be able to share with you the wisdom on this podcast so we can all be immersed in the oxytocin bubble of love, but also so that we can learn. We can learn more about how we get more of this love in our life. Thank you for joining. Bye for now.